On today's underreported segments, we look at the situation in the Horn of Africa, which is suffering the worst drought in 60 years. Already 10 million people are estimated to be in need of emergency rations to survive. And joining me now is Nora Love, the International Rescue Committee's Deputy Director of Programs. She's been overseeing their programs in Somalia, and I'm very pleased to welcome her to our show today. Hi. Hi, how are you tonight? I'm okay. Well, it's afternoon here. It's tonight in uh, Somalia, I guess. Um, Nairobi. Oh, you're in Nairobi, Kenya right now. Uh, This has been called the largest food instability in the new century, with more than 10 million people in Ethiopia, Somalia, and Kenya in need of emergency rations to survive. Has anything of the scale happened before? Um, they're, not, they're saying that it, it's surpassing the, um, the drought famine in 1992 in Somalia. Um, the numbers are just staggering, and I think there's a, is a combination of why um, this is uh, the worst drought. Um, there's a combination of the drought itself that's been happening for the last couple of seasons, the increase in uh, food prices, as well as the ongoing conflict in Somalia that's been uh, really um, affecting that population. Well, about half of the population is in need of immediate emergency rations to survive, and a quarter of Somalia's 7.5 million people are displaced. Refugees have been pouring across the border into Kenya. 400,000 was an estimate that I read earlier this week. Are they mainly heading to the camp at Dadaab, or are there other camps near Kenya's border with Somalia? No, most of them, it's mostly going to um, the Dadaab camp. I think what we're saying is there's approximately... Um, over 500,000 in Kenya as refugees, with 380,000 of it in the Dadaab camp. Um, and the camp originally was built um, for three separate areas, each of them um, built for 30,000 people. And so the, the capacity is just overwhelming right now. Dadaab seems to be quite a distance from the border with Somalia. How are these refugees getting to the camp? They're walking. It's taking anywhere between um, 15 to 20-odd days for them to get there. And when they arrive, they're in terrible conditions. Um, they're, the children are coming in very well, um, malnutrition, high rates of malnutrition, needing immediate services. And, of course, Kenya has also been hit by the drought. And others have been going to Ethiopia, which has its own problems. Aren't uh, 4.5 million people in Ethiopia estimated to be in need of food? That's true. I mean, Ethiopia though, um, is, won't be declared um, or be um, possible for a famine. They're still in a humanitarian crisis with the um, food security. Um, and there is an area in, um, on the border with Somalia and Ethiopia that there's 120,000 refugees going in there. So how are they dealing with this influx of refugees? Didn't Kenya close its border with Somalia? Um, they did close the border with Somalia a number of years ago. They're currently in discussions um, with reopening it, as well as reopening or opening two new camps in the Dadaab area. Are you providing mostly food and water at this point? No. In, in, um, in the Kenya, the Dadaab camp, um, we are working in the um, health nutrition area, as well as the gender va- gender-based violence activities. And in Ethiopia, we're working doing water. Uh-huh. Just water. That's a serious um, problem? Yeah, it w- it's a serious problem. Is just you want to make sure that there's enough water for the refugees, and given the dryness of the area, um, we have to make some very elaborate um, water systems. Um, we're still in the construction of some of those sites, and we're actually doing trucking. Are you seeing a spike in gender-based crimes? 
We are. We're, we're seeing um, definitely an increase. Um, we just did an assessment in July in the Dadaab area, and we've seen an increase, especially for um, female head households and adolescent women. Is that mostly in the camps? It's on the outside of the camps where, the, where they haven't had the services set up and they don't quite have the same protection um, if they're in the camp themselves. There's an outskirts where a lot of the um, new arrivals are being um, setting up homes to start with. Are there efforts to get more food aid into Somalia to try to stem the influx of refugees? Um, I mean, there's, there, there's discussions, and a lot of aid has been allocated for southern Somalia. Um, but, you know, there's, it, Somalia is a complex place, and trying to get in there and working and going through some of the conditions and the um, access issues that people are having, I think is taking a little bit longer than we would hope. And are the people who left in Somalia the most vulnerable, the ones who haven't been able to get out before this? No, the fear is they're not because they can either afford to um, pay for travel or have the ability to walk, but the ones that are still in there are the ones that are probably the most worst off. Somalia hasn't had a functioning government for 20 years. Does that make it harder to respond to the situation there? It does. There's a couple of layers. You have the central layers um, within Mogadishu, but then you have regional layers that you need to be working with, the drought committees and those regional um, locations, and as well as when you get down to the, the villages, that you have to negotiate with the, the elders and the clan leaders there. Many accounts so it's very of- complex. Well, many accounts that I've read from Somali refugees have described how the livestock died first and and then they left because they no longer had food. Has the death of livestock meant that the price of food has been spiking throughout the region for a while now? Yeah, I mean, we've been seeing this drought coming on since, I mean, really coming on since January. And um, it is a big thing because with the drought, you have the increase of food prices anyways. And then with the with the lack of um, assets with the livestock, you can't afford to buy them. So it, it's, a, you know, each way you look at it, it's a terrible situation. And malnutrition rates in southern Somalia are the highest in the world uh, at over 30 percent. Does that make responding to a crisis like this even harder since many people weren't getting enough food or nutrients even before the drought hit? I mean, I think it's going to be the access of getting in. I mean, if we can get the food and the programs in there, I think we'll be able to um, to serve the, those, those populations. But it's important that we do get the access as well as the additional funding. And one thing that's important is that, you know, if you look at the map of Somalia, three-quarters of the map is in a humanitarian emergency. And right now we are focusing re- on the southern Somalia aspects because it's very important and the situation is dire. But it's, it's very fragile in other parts, too. So we have to make sure we keep an eye on the, all of Somalia. Well, who's providing most of the aid right now? Aid organizations or foreign governments? This is in um, some foreign governments. Um, the the um, United Kingdom government, DFID, have put in, I believe, um, about 25 million um, pounds. Um, the U.S. government has announced $23 million going into southern Somalia. And then the U.N. also has some emergency funds that they're putting in there, too. Well, yesterday the United Nations officially declared the situation in southern Somalia to be a famine. It's the first famine declared in Africa in the last 27 years. Does that change the response on the ground at all? I mean, I think there is, again, getting the access in to meet the population. I mean, it's been a humanitarian crisis, and when you you talk to a person from Somalia, I don't think they understand the difference between a famine and um, their 
their current situation. So it's, it is important to get the funds and the access in order to respond. The last food crisis that the U.N. designated uh, was in Somalia, 1991-1992. Before that, uh, in Ethiopia, in 84 and 85. So this is an area where there always are food security issues. And I think the the international community has been trying to address some long-term solutions for um, East Africa. I think Somalia has been more vulnerable given the, the conflict that's been ongoing there and the lack of access, especially in South Somalia. And then Somalia is directly across the Gulf from Yemen, which is another country with serious food security issues. Yeah, I mean, this area has, has been hard hit. Is it possible to get an idea of just how many people have already died? Um, they haven't released any numbers, but what we're saying is tens of thousands. Tens of thousands. It's the worst drought tens in... Of thousands in, in and, Somalia. And it's the worst drought in 60 years, which means it's been going on for a while. What's needed most now, aside from rain? I mean, again, I think it's, it's the additional funds um, to respond to these areas, but being careful not to reprogram funds from uh, current programs up in the central and north part of Somalia, um, making sure that the international and the national um, governments ensure proper access and respect of humanitarian principles. Does the influx of refugees exacerbate the, the uh, terrible situations in Kenya and Ethiopia? I mean, I, I think the, for the Kenyan part, there's definitely pressures about having um, the Somalian um, influx. I mean, there is a security aspect to it also, um, given recent events that have happened in the Horn um, over the last year or so. So, yes, I think it does. But, I mean, Kenya's been very generous in allowing they have you know, over 500,000 Somali refugees in their country. Nora Love is Deputy Director of Programs for the International Rescue Committee overseeing their programs in Somalia. And I want to thank you so much for participating in the first part of our underreported today, uh, looking at the food crisis in the Horn of Africa. Thank you for talking with me.